I was listening to YouTube this week, and, and there was a preacher on there blasting uh, another preacher. I didn't listen to it very long, but I listened to it for a couple minutes. And, and uh, you know that anybody can blast anybody? Yeah, sure can. And uh, I was listening to this guy talk about a particular someone who's always very positive. He always has a smile on his face. You might not be able to guess who it is, but you might be able to. He began to throw up in the midst of his speaking against him. He was throwing a little uh, words across the, uh, the screen. This disciple died. This disciple died. This one was tortured. This one was stoned. This one was dragged to death. This one was beat to death. And it went to go through all these things. And <clears throat> for some reason, there's some ministers that speak in a sense they think that everybody's supposed to be depressed, have a hard time, and never, never, life should never be easy. It should always be a hardship. It may have happened like that in the early church because Jesus said something to, to the disciples. In this world, you will have trouble. You will. And he told them many things you will suffer. They were the beginning. They were the ones who, who set a pattern for things to come. But they did not live perfectly. And many times he was giving them direction. He would teach and, and uh, they weren't getting the whole picture. They weren't seeing the whole picture. I don't see the whole picture, but I know this. That God is for me and not against me. I know he has given me a favor in life and, and I need to accept it. I know that I can walk in divine health. I mean, I may get sick again, but I can still walk in divine health. I can. I can expect blessings as not curses. Now, you can expect curses if you want to, and they'll probably come. But I expect the good things in my life. Not that never have trouble, never have any problems. This is not my message at all. But um, we learned. We need to learn to lend to every day. Prepare our minds into what we're expecting, what's coming, or what is coming in my life. I'm 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 looking for it. Now I'm going to pick four people in the sanctuary. I'm going to have somebody, Josh. I want you to go over here and stand before the, for that picture right there. I want you to look at it. I want you to tell me what's on it. Nikki, I want you to get right here. Who thinks they can tell what's in this picture? Come on, Pam. Who thinks they can see what's in this picture? Come on, Joe. Come on up here, Joe. You're chewing your gum. I just had to look on your face. Just look at that picture. And you don't have to get real close to it, but just, just look at it. It's, it's a mystery. Now, Bobby, at the end, I'm going to have you come up here and tell us what's in each of these pictures, all right? Some people have never been able to see anything but what's on the print. And some people can look at it like she's trying. She's looking for a clue. She's looking for a clue. Let me give you a, a clue. Seeing what's in the picture, look at one little spot, one tiny little spot, and your peripheral will clear up the rest of the picture. If you get your nose in closer, you can't see it. <laughs> Nobody's got it now. Nobody has. Okay, what is it? Okay. You just keep it right there. You can go back and sit down. You did good. Everybody look at you. Yeah, that's pretty good. Joe? No? 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 No, we're not on a curve system here. We're just, so did you give up? Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. You can go back. You did good, Pam. Nikki, have you got it yet? 
Man, what about you, Josh? No? They look, I'm going to take your picture because maybe it helped me. If I get it from up here, it helped better. These all look like just miscellaneous lines going every direction. You can go back to your seat. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. <clears throat> Bobby, come on up here and tell me what's in the pictures if you can. <clears throat> yeah. You can just tell me what's in each one. It's fine. There's trees and stuff behind it, right? Yeah. The mama eagle's coming down to the nest. And the yeah. Eagles in the nest. yeah. There's some pirate ships with the salt surrounded. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Pam, very few people can see it because they, f- cannot, they cannot focus on a spot. They focus on the whole picture. And I'm not picking on you, Joe, man. It's, I've only. Yeah, well. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Several years ago, about four years ago, I brought this to the, I think I brought them all or maybe just one picture I had in the sanctuary. We got up there and there was people, man, they would get mad because they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. And it's a little bit like faith. You can't see it. But if you don't use it, you can't bring it into operation. There's all kinds of pictures up here and, and you'll look at them, they're distinctively different and they're, they're unique, but when I would come down here and, and I would just sit and, and gaze at them, and I remember having them when nobody was around, I'd sit and look at those things. Just like that right there, and I have to go back up here. You have to train your eye on how to see it. Some people have it naturally, but you have to train your eye on how to see it. The name of this message is there's more to it. There's more to it. You have these pictures and they have a variety of things, a variety of topics, but they all still have a hidden picture within the picture. And in our life, we may have have different views of how life is. We may have different perspectives of how we see things. Life may not be fair. And you know what? Never in my life have I ever said and looked at God and I've questioned it and I've said, God, it's not fair. My life isn't fair, or this isn't fair, or that's not fair. I just can't, because I know if that starts in my life, it'll carry over into every area of your life or my life. I'll start analyzing everything like I did these pictures, and I think it's not fair that somebody, some people can walk up to them and look at them for three seconds. Oh, yes, that's that. And others of us, it takes us time and a trained eye and disciplined eye to sit and focus on it until it comes out and illuminates itself. Does that make sense? We may have a different idea. And not everybody in here thinks exactly the same. We go through, we go through every personality. There's so many distinctive personalities. And, and your, your opinion of God is, is this and mine's that. But, but there's one thing that's true that you have to keep your basis right here. If it gets out in any other thing or any other way of viewing God outside of his word, you'll begin to, begin to have problems. Many of you have things that you go through and you never understand. And how many of us have been through things we don't understand? We all have. If you're an adult, you have been through multiple things you don't understand. 
And, and not that you ever will, but there's one thing about it. It's understanding that he is in control. Why or what for? How is God in this? Perspective is a personal view, the way things happen in life. But how can it, how can it be wrong? Now, here's the, the Webster, Dic, Dic, Webster Dictionary definition. A particular attitude toward or, or way of regarding something. I want you to go to Mark in chapter 8. This is a story, man. I used to, I've never preached from it because I've always avoided it. I've always avoided this scripture because I never had, a, never had an understanding of it, never, never seen why it was there, and, and it never made any sense to me. It used to frustrate me, and, and I think, how can, how can I proclaim it, the all-knowing God and what he does? And then, and then this thing happens when Jesus prays for God the first time, and he isn't healed. It never made sense to me, but it makes sense to me now. Verse 22, then coming to Beth, Bethsida, and they bring unto him a blind man, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, I want to stop here for just a second. Back in Matthew was a reference to this city. It said that many, many things would not happen because of their unbelief in that city. So Jesus went here this time. He took him out of the city and took him away from the crowd, hopefully. And he took him out and began to pray for him. <clears throat> and he led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him and asked him what he saw. Never made any sense to me. Never understood why God was, Jesus was spit in the mud and put in his eyes or spit in his eyes. It just, it just didn't. And it's not making a lot of sense to a lot of you right now. How many of you does it make sense to? <clears throat> and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and, he, and made him look up. And he was restored, and he saw everything, every man clearly. He went out of the city because of the unbelief of the city. And the environment was better out there. I'm sticking with my notes. First, he touched him, and he was only seeing partially. Everything was blind. Everything was, was cloudy. It was, it was not focused at all. Now, what was that? Was it because of the, the people's unbelief in the, in the city? Was it, is it possibly the, the man's unbelief? Or was it that Jesus didn't have the power enough and he had to regen, regenerate his batteries, if you will, and, and pray in faith again to, to get this guy to see better? What was the problem? I've never understood it until now. Not enough faith, hidden sin. Jesus is not as powerful as he thought he was. How many times have we prayed for things and we don't get an answer and we begin to, begin to doubt ourselves? We begin to doubt the circumstance, begin to, to doubt the outcome, that they'll ever get over this. Let me help you understand this a little bit better. Early in the chapter, Jesus knew what he was doing. Early in the chapter, I want you to go to verse five. And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks and, and, get, and break and to give to the disciples to set them before him. And they did before them. And they did set them before them. And they had a few small fishes and he blessed them and commanded to set them before them. So they did eat and were filled and they took up the broken meat that was left over, left seven back, back, 
baskets. And they that were at Eton were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Now, he's establishing something here that he gave it a little bit of food, and he blessed it, multiplied it, and he fed them all fish and fed them all bread. And afterwards, they had about seven basketfuls. It's, 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 it's elementary what he was teaching them. But they didn't get it yet. And throughout the lives of the disciples, there was always times of teaching, but they didn't always get it. And the same way with you and I, we get taught and we read and we get taught and we listen to people and we, and we get it for a moment, but we lose it later on down the week. And we forget it a little bit later. And before long, before we, before we know it, we, we're totally out doubting ourselves and doubting God and, and wondering if, it's, if his power is able to heal us or not, or his power is able to save us or not. Look at the next few verses. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, and they came to the parts of Dal, Manutha. And the Pharisees came forth, and instantly, if you always notice, the Pharisees are the leaven. Stay with me. If you're Jewish, the leaven meant a whole lot, but the Pharisees, Jesus made reference to all the time, they would, they would bring a little bit of something called doubt. And they would bring it and they begin to sow it. And what would begin to happen, as soon as he fed all these 4,000 people with all this bread and all this abundance, he goes instantly to this next town and there immediately comes forth Pharisees. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question him and seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply within his spirit and he said, let me tell you, Jesus got frustrated. He got frustrated with things when he didn't understand them. He got frustrated with, with disciples and they came and said, Lord, we don't have anything to feed them. He said, what do you have? I have a little bit. And he said, tell them people, sit down. And he began to bless it and began to break it and they began to have all these uh, amounts of leftover. And then verse uh, 12, and he sighed deeply within his spirit and said, why does this generation seek the sign? How many of you seek a sign? I have. I've sought them many times. Call me Gideon. Lord, I pray that the fleece would have dew all over it and be dry all the way around it. The next day it have it. Now, this is not literal, but I put a lot of fleece before the Lord. The next day I say, Lord, let the ground be wet all around it, but no dew on, the, on my fleece. And the Lord would honor it. I'm not saying that God is against situations as this. Because he answered many fleeces over the years that I've put before him. But, but there's something about him he was getting frustrated. Because these people were never going, stick with me, these people were never going to get it. They were always looking for an excuse not to, to embrace him or, or understand him. I'm get my thoughts together. They were always looking for an excuse to invalidate him. It didn't matter what he did. And he said, man, my goodness, you always are looking for a sign. Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entered into the ship and departed to the other side. Now, what's unique about this is where he went next. Now, the disciples had gotten, had forgotten to take bread. Didn't they just have seven baskets? They forgot to take bread with them. And he in charge of them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. This is the indoctrination into what they know is right. There's so many truths that we know in this group. 
But sometimes we don't always activate them and believe them for the particular situation we're in. We find excuse and we don't realize it, but stay with me just a second. Our mind is so consumed with things that we deal with all week long that our faith level begins to diminish. Not that we've given up on God or, or anything like that, but our faith level is not as strong as it was. And so then when we are, we're frustrated, we, we, we question God on everything. And he said, take charge. Beware of the living of the Pharisees and the living of Herod. And they reason among themselves, saying, is it because we have no bread? Do they not understand Jesus was frustrated at this point. He was frustrated with the Pharisees coming up and wanting to sign. He was frustrated with his own disciples. And he gets frustrated with us, and I understand why. He isn't mad at us. He's just frustrated. And he said it, and when Jesus, oh, see. And the reason among themselves, saying, is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, why reason you because you have no bread? Perceive See, do you not understand? You have not, neither understand. Have you in your heart hardened? Having eyes to see, you see it not. And having ears, hear it not. Do you not remember? In other words, how many times do we have a big, great victory? Maybe our word is proclaimed and we believe it and we're, we're excited for three weeks and then it begins to diminish after the third week or the second week and then after a month we begin to doubt our faith. And we really frustrate who he is. His nature's never changed. He's always been the same. And he's always been about teaching the disciples, trying to get their attention and trying to get them to listen. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod, not because of, he was afraid that, of the competition, but he's afraid to think would be destroyed. And whenever we have life itself and we don't understand it and, and things get frustrating and, and Whatever goes on in our life, we begin to reason and rationalize why we have these things. We're almost to where we're going. Jesus was frustrated with humanity. I'm saying this to me and I'm saying this to you because it's not nobody. Nobody is exempt. Because you may be in your darkest days. And you've always been a person of faith. But man, when sick situations, situations happen and they continue to happen and they begin to get heavier and heavier and you get more dimly lighted in your eyes. When I break the loaves, when I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets took you up? And they said to him, 12. Why, is it, why do we always think the miracle, it ended somewhere else? Why does it always have to stop somewhere else? Why is this situation any different? And Jesus is trying to get them to remember back. And when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets fulls did you, did you have remaining? They said, well, we had seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that this simple teaching of, 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 of this man we're going to go into it in just a second. But this teaching of being aware of the living of the Pharisees and, and Herod. How do you not understand that? Then we go to the next chapter. And this is what we already read once. But we're going to read it again. Verse 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida. I can't say it right. And they said, bring. And they bring a blind man unto him. Besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man. By the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes. And when his hands were upon him, he asked him how he, if he ought to, how his eyes done. And he looked up and he said, I see tree, men as trees. 
Do you understand yet? Jesus was frustrated. He was trying to teach them about beware of things, beware of the, the leaven. He knew that, listen, this generation was, was going to be the key about, about, us, about who they were in the future for the church. He knew that. And if they don't get it, if they don't get their truth and they'll get the word grafted and grafted in their heart and, and it deeply, then they're going to be world of trouble. Does that make sense? So Jesus said the first time, he, he prayed for the guy and he could see a little bit, seeing trees. This is just like us. We see things a little bit. We see things semi-clear, but, but not near as good as we, could, we should. We get, we get confused of all the things we hear of the, the leaven of the hair and, and the leaven of <clears throat> the Pharisees or the religious people. And amazing how many of us get, I'm not talking about tradition, but you can get so distorted by, by what man says is right, by their, their list of rules on, on what to do, what not to do, that you can get confused and you can lose your faith just as, this, as they did with this man. He did it twice to this man. He prayed for him twice and received his sight as anyone else. But the perspective was wrong of the people. It wasn't the man. It was Jesus taking the moment to teach his disciples something. The perspective of, of who he was and what he was doing was wrong. The healing was never that he couldn't heal. It was that the disciples were spiritually blind. Never understood it before. Never understood what preceded these acts that preceded this day and, and praying over this man. I've just never understood it, but now I do because I look at my own self and I look at many of us and I think, no, no wonder. There's things that come up that we're spiritually blind to that we shouldn't know better, that we shouldn't do. And we shouldn't get into the mindset of always operating in, but we do. One way of expecting, perceiving things that has got to change, go to Mark chapter 10. Let me tell you what happened. pretty cool the thing the way things are written mark chapter 10 verse 35 through 44 I'll tell you something Luke 10 don't sound anything like Mark 10 <clears throat> and James and John the sons of Zebedee come to the Coming to him, saying, Master, we would that thou would do, should do whatsoever we desire. And he said to them, what would, ye, what would ye that I should do for you? And they said to him, Grant to us, and we sit on the right hand and the left hand in thy glory. I want, I want to tell you how stupid, how foolish this has become. And these are the same people just two chapters earlier. He was telling them that they don't, they don't get it. They don't understand it. That their life is so much more than, than just these things. Used to, churches had a lot of chairs up on the platform. I remember having, I'd have a couple chairs over there and a couple chairs over here. And buddy, you know who sat up here? 
who sat up here in these four chairs or two chairs. The pastor, the worship leader, that sat there and that sat and looked out. It was a tradition to me that brought too much attention to the platform and to one person. Let's get off of that one. Let's move ahead. So that was this situation. They wanted so much attention to them. And uh, let's continue on. Um, and when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them and said to them, you know that you are over, that you are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. So shall it not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be a minister. And whosoever of you shall be the chiefest shall be, chief, shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life for ransom for many. Look in verse 46. Instantly after pride, he rose his head again and he had discord among the, among the disciples, his followers, his, his devout followers. Look at the next verse. Verse 46, I'm gonna wrap it up here in just a minute. But verse 46 says, I think it's so profound. The blind, then came, to, they came, oh boy. Then, and they came to Jericho and he went out to Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people. And blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that he was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he charged him that he should hold his peace. And he cried the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and, and call, commanded him to be called. And they, and they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he called thee. And casting away his garments, he came into Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, without, what, the, should, what without that I should do to thee? And the man said that I might receive my sight. Instantly, this wasn't a three-time prayer. This wasn't a two-time prayer. Everything was different. It was different because at this time, we still, we still, I guess Jesus realized he's always gonna deal with this carnal nature of the disciples. These two prideful guys, and then instantly goes into uh, Bartimaeus. These are the only two blind men we talk about in the book of Mark, but it's so unique that God, well, we all have our own way of, of viewing things. But we need to prove what we see, what we think, and our, change our perspective. I want them to come back up. <clears throat> I don't have a scripture in my notes. Luke chapter 15. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, give me a portion of goods, and it followed to me, and he divided unto how many did he divide his goods to? How many to divide his goods to? Them. It means everything he had, he split it and he gave it to them and he gave it an inheritance early before he died. Now, that's important because if you don't see this, you won't get the next part. Go to the last part of the chapter, verse 20, 26. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And they said to him, that brother is come. And that father killed the fatty calf because he had received him safe and sound. He was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, came his father out and entreated him. And answering, he said, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither do I transgress any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid. What was wrong with this guy? He didn't see things correctly. 
His perspective was messed up. He was so bitter at him for leaving him and leaving him with all the responsibilities at the farm that he never once understood that he owned it all. He never once took time to appreciate the things that had been given to him because his vision was cloudy. It is no different than any of us that come up here and look at these pictures and we look at them and we bang our head and we scratch and we wonder and work so hard to try to get an answer we don't have it. And somebody walks up and tells you what the answer is. This whole message is not about browbeating and, and, and and you don't need to feel condemned. You need to realize if you're struggling this morning, if you're down and maybe one time you're full of faith or whatever, you're letting your circumstances control the truth. And there's one thing I know that when you start letting your emotions and circumstances control what's true or not, you are one person that is up here and down here, up here, down here. But when you're a person who knows what the truth is, regardless of what you see and regardless of what you hear, you're always even kill. You may have some highs, but you don't ever go down too low. There was a lady named Naomi in the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. Chapter 1, she said, don't call me that. Call me Mara because my life has been so bitter. She lost her husband, lost her sons. She was bitter. But, but you know, that, that, that book is only four chapters long. In the fourth chapter, she had cho- totally changed she had totally changed. In the last chapter, she's holding a baby. Something that she thought she would never have. And it was Ruth's baby with Boaz. What's so powerful about that? And you may be complaining over things that you don't know about. Things unfair, this unfair, that unfair, whatever it is. You don't even know what really lies ahead. The baby's name was Obed. Who was that? You can look it up for yourself. There was no old bed, there was no King David. It's amazing that God's plan is so, I guess you could say articulate and the details that we don't see because we're affected and, and we panic and we react in ways that shouldn't be. In conclusion, we need to change your perspective. I'm gonna read one thing to you in, in Colossians. Chapter two. You know, we're all affected. We all think our certain ways because somebody put that if that if way of thinking within our head. We're that how we were raised or, or the circumstances or, or rebellion or, or our goodness of life kind of ran through our mind and caused us to think a certain way. But let me tell you, tell you what will happen to your faith if you only depend on man's view of our, our 
or learning a perspective. Beware, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. We could get into philosophy and have lots of arguments. Try to determine who was right and who was wrong. And we all have an opinion. It's just like philosophy. There is no right. There is no wrong. But then you may get into vain deceit because we think everything's looking at us. It's about all that I think it matters to everybody else. Then after we get past that, then after traditions of men, we begin to base things of truth or error or, or, or biblical truth or not. I'm so glad... We don't have a bunch of rules. I'm not saying we don't have any unspoken rules. <clears throat> but I'm glad that every woman that comes in here don't have to wear sleeves down to here. And I'm not dogging any, any church that does, and it's fine. If that's their conviction, it's fine. But don't make it a mandate upon everybody because it's no personal conviction. Hair up to here. None of us men could have earrings. Okay, I don't have one. It's a joke. Traditions and the rudiments after this, of this world and are not after Christ. We're going to change anything that changes our perspective that we may not even understand. We've got to ask, what does the Word say? I base everything about what this, what this says. And you may be here, and you might just begin, be beginning to begin struggle with things you don't understand. I have. Hallelujah. But there's one thing that I know that this book has about every answer you could ever imagine. And it's spoken itself to me time and time again. If I base all my decisions on what this book says, I'm going to be okay.